Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Sebastian Lomas, aka Dr. Seb. Dr. Seb is a UK-based qualified dentist who utilizes a whole-body approach to oral care with an interest in integrating holistic health and modern dentistry. Having been so anti-natural solutions for his whole life, ironically, natural solutions were the only thing to get him out of his own health crisis. In this episode, Dr. Seb gives us the lowdown on oral health, giving us his best tips for a healthy mouth and answers your questions on the best ways to whiten your teeth, both naturally and unnaturally, how important it is to floss and what's the best method, which this answer will surprise you, and more on clenching, grinding, and mouth breathing versus nose breathing. This episode opened up a whole new world for me and made me realize how much our oral health affects the rest of our body in many ways you wouldn't expect. But what I love is that there are simple solutions and practices to correct it, like how not to sneeze out of your mouth. Thank you, Dr. Seb. Dr. Sebastian Luis Lomas, which I'm going to go by Dr. Seb, like on your Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I was just saying, this is our first episode really talking about oral health. Um, And I don't think people realize how much of a role it plays in our overall health or things like our posture, which we'll talk about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I'm so excited, really, to I can't believe you guys are explained, like given so much information to people already and grown so much. And then this aspect's not even talked about. So it makes me really, really excited that hopefully a lot of your listeners can be like, wow, you know, this is going to hopefully change small parts. And that's the biggest thing for me, you know, just sharing online and sharing content online when people message me and say, just from learning on your page, and going act out and activating it because I can't treat everyone, but they can find dentists and professionals that can that changes their life, right? So this hopefully these small messages get to you know some of the simple changes too, right? Some are so simple, and when when we can implement simple changes to make our lifestyle better, which is what your thing is all about, then I'm so happy to provide that information. Yeah, and I mean I've already learned so much just from we were just talking about it, but just from your simple reels on your Instagram page. There's so many great nuggets of information, which we will dive in today. But before we do that, I would love for you to just tell our listeners a little bit more about your journey and becoming a biological dentist. And also if you can define what is a biological dentist um, versus maybe just like, you know, a conventional dentist. We all go to the same dental school. We all learn the same things, but the biological dentists really have like a a passion or a zest for life as lots of my nurses tend to tell me that I'm always learning and trying to do more things and, you know, learn a different area of something else that could help someone in that way. And, And I learn from my patients as much as they learn from me because each case is a different case and you try different things and you learn different things and you, each person makes you research a different area that you might not know before. Right. So I would say biological dentistry, even though there are qualifications that you do outside of the conventional um, way of doing dentistry, it's actually about having a passion to get to the root cause, to understand how it affects the body. And I guess the the easiest way of thinking about it is that conventional dentistry looks at fixing the mouth and the teeth and their ability to be able to chew, no matter the cost. And biological dentistry looks at 
everything else around that, which we'll talk about and how it can influence the human organism, which is really how our body functions, how much energy we have, how we can have a headache-free life, how we can you know, have an inflammatory or less inflammation in the body from this to to take to give our liver more support, to give our um, kidneys um, more support, to not having to work as hard. So, you know, as we age, we stand, we did, well, as we age, it takes more to stand still. So when we're already having to do X amount per year that we live, we're trying to reduce the oral interferences to well-being. And it's quite interesting, my journey about getting into well, dentistry in general, like I I was always loving science and I was always very analytical and very results based driven. And I loved science and my mum and dad were like, Oh, you can do this, that and the other. And, you know, you go into all these work experiences and try these different things, but I actually end up didn't get the grades to get into dental school to start with. And I ended up doing probably the American route in actually, where you have to go to school and study a degree before, before you go and major in something. Whereas in the UK, that's not normal. You can go straight into dental school if you want to. So my 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 learning and studying in dentistry ended up being seven years instead of five, which it could have been. But during that path, I took a whole loop, long pathway into um, where I am now. But that allowed me to accumulate lots more life skills and knowledge and ways of looking at patients differently that I've learned along the way to help, you know, bring my clinical practice into a better place too. So, and you know, it started off of me getting very, very ill when I went traveling um, before I started my corporate job in London. And luckily I had private healthcare and I could just get to see these specialists quicker in the UK instead of using the NHS and trying to wait in these huge long waiting lists. And I found that none of it was working, even though I was seeing the conventional way of looking at things, doing the antifungals, the antibiotics, the antiparasites. You know, why was I so tired all the time? Why was this happening? Why was this happening? And actually it was in you know, when I was cleansing and restoring my system and getting to the root cause of my gut microbiome disbalance and fillings in my mouth that were dysregulating my oral microbiome and um, not breathing properly because I had a deviated septum and broke my nose during boxing and having that corrected. And this whole journey led me meeting my wife in London too and her pointing me in the right direction to do different things rather than just, you know, just trusting what the doctor said and really being the steward of your own healthcare. And, um, during that strange journey of trying to get back to my best, which took a couple of years, but now my reference points are higher than ever, right? Because I'm looking at these, I'm looking at these old reference points where I had, and I thought, gosh, I wasn't able to do this, I wasn't able to do that, and I was a younger person, so right, I should have more energy, I should have more vitality. Um, but during this process, it led me back to dentistry because my wife got very ill, headaches, migraines, chronic backache from um, orthodontics, which didn't go too well for her system, and she put me in contact, sorry, not my wife, but the people that we are supporting us that put me in contact with the admissions tutors at King's College in London. And then it just snowballed from there, really. And I, during my studies of, you know, normal conventional dentistry, I was shadowing all the biological dentists in the UK. And when I say all of them, there's not many, there's like five. So I was trying to take bits of all of them and they're all in their 60s and close to retirement now, right? So I was so trying to take as much knowledge as I can to take it forward and really create a new era of biological dentistry and call it a biological dentistry rather than holistic dentistry in the UK and give it a new name, create some courses, create some study sessions with people and just make it fun, cool, exciting to realize that dentistry has a huge impact on our overall health and well-being, or at least gives us signs of what's going on inside of the body, right? So 
that was my very long convoluted way of saying yes i was in a place that was not good and it was actually looking at the root cause of things that got me back to a place of better and i've transferred that into dentistry and learning from all of my mentors around the world sharing all this amazing information too so yeah it's it's special it's been really special and i'm loving it now and i've still got more to learn and more to do so yeah no that's fascinating cuz i'll be honest i have not really heard of the term like a biological dentist but it really seems like it's kind of like a functional medicine like in comparison yes. like more like the functional medicine side um which now i'm like ooh is there a biological dentist in my area because i actually need a new dentist um so maybe we can talk about that offline <laughs> but it's really fascinating and this is right up our alley in terms of what we love to bring to our listeners so before we kind of get into your tips on you know like your top tips for a healthy mouth and healthy oral hygiene what are some of the signs that you can tell just from your oral health that something may not be right in your body but can kind of be corrected through our oral health that's a huge question but i yeah. will I'll tell you what i'll do <laughs> is <laughs> i will try i guess and... the most the most common ones you see the most common ones I see. Yeah. Okay. So let me just start with a consultation when I see someone new really and what I look for. Um, yeah. And actually it starts outside of the mouth, even before we get into the mouth, which is you say, well, why is a dentist looking at this? But it's because it affects the mouth, affects the neck, affects the airway. Um, the first thing is, it, can your nasal cartilage hold when you're deeply inhaling in? So for example, mine can't. So if I close my lips again, then really deeply inhale through my nose it collapses and I can't breathe through the right side of my nostril. And that means that I'm not mixing my air with my nitric ox oxide in my sinuses. And it means that I'm more likely at nighttime to breathe through my mouth because my nasal valves can collapse because you detox at night and everything becomes inflamed. And when everything's inflamed, obviously the air passageways and the passageways in your body get more restricted. And when you breathe through your mouth, so you put yourself into fight or flight. And at nighttime, that can cause clenching, grinding of teeth. So the first thing I look at is can someone under exertion breathe through their nose continuously without coll collapsing of a nasal valve, which blocks sinuses and means that you've got to clear your nose loads in the morning because there's no flow of air going through it. So definitely that's the first thing that I can tell someone will mouth breathe, have a higher tendency to mouth breathe at night if their nasal valves collapse. Um, you can then see from the size of their face or the shape of their face, whether they mouth breathe chronically or not, or whether they clench their teeth or not. And they've got big muscles here and here that they're working their jaw more than they should be doing. You can look at where someone's smiling at you if they've ground their teeth down. And that normally means that they've got an airway problem because they're having to grind their jaw open at nighttime to let themselves breathe. Or they've got a really stressful life, obviously, because let's not rule out stress. Stress causes grinding too. And um, if their jaw's not meeting together properly, the body tries and finds its friends in the mouth. So they all want to bite together. So if you're biting one side but not the other, your jaw can actually want to try and find its, you know, its, its most stable place. Um, so there's some even simple signs just to look at straight away. Really dry lips usually means mouth breathing as well, obviously. And when we mouth breathe, we dry out the saliva in our mouth. We, and what the saliva has a huge role to play. So looking at just dry lips alone, you know that someone's going to be mo more prone to decay in their mouth because the saliva is not washing away the bugs. It's not remineralizing the teeth. It's also going to stain the teeth. You're going to get plaque and calculus stuck to the teeth. And when you've got plaque and calculus stuck to the teeth, you're more likely to get gum disease as well as, you know, dental decay. So 
even before we've looked in the mouth, we can see those things. And now I'm learning more in the last year, I would say, about craniofacial strains and how that is related to improper nasal breathing and how the face is compressed and flexed or extended on one side and how that affects actually how you look, how even your eyes are, how even your lips are, how high your cheekbones are, where your um, uh, forehead is on one side and the other, the way that your ears sit on your head and how even they are or not. So like all of these crazy things now I can tell by looking at someone's face and um that's even before I look in the mouth. But of course, I can't just, you know, my mentors who have been doing this for 30 odd years can look and just say that. But my aim now is really to bring that knowledge to the patients when I get them into the chair and go through each step by step to say, this is that because of why this is X because of why, you know, because if I just said to you, oh, you need to, you know, breathe through your nose more, you're going to be like, okay, cool. But if I point out why each step needs to breathe through the nose and why your body's in a state of stress because of it, it gives you something to take away, to research and to do and to learn about and a bit of um, onerous on that too. So they're like- I'm curious, Dr. Sub, what would be your, what are your top tips for your patients if let's say they're mouth breathers and we're trying to get them to breathe through their nose? So I'm really big on this. We had- did you read the book Breath by James Nestor? Yeah, yeah. I trained yes. with um, Dr. Belfour, who's the one that... Yes. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. Door. So we had James on the podcast and it's nice. like one of my favorite episodes, his book. I love his book. Yeah. And obviously he has certain suggestions, but I'm curious what you tell your patients if they're like, okay, well, how do I all of a sudden start breathing through my nose or at least trying to, what are some tips you give them? Well, do you know what? That it can be bad to breathe through your nose if, or to mouth tape or to do anything like that if you can't breathe through your nose. So you actually really have to make sure from a dental perspective, you're okay. So some of the times when I, you know, the things that I want to check off before I sell someone to just take their lips together. And I've been there too. I've been woken up in the night with my other half saying like, you're trying to breathe through your mouth and you can't breathe through your nose because your nose is blocked, right? So then you've got mm-hmm. to give yourself sleep apnea. <laughs> So what you want to do is check off a few things first. The first is not good. You know, then the first thing is that your nose does not collapse on inhalation, right? That first test. And if it does collapse like mine, you get yourself some tiny little nasal dilators, which go into the nose and they hold the nose open. So when you're breathing, your nose does not collapse on exertion. And you'd be surprised how easy that makes breathing. Um sorry the internet's gone are you back with me oh you're good yeah yeah yeah. so you can just take you can just take it over perfect so um yeah nasal dilators are huge because they go in your nose and they're tiny little silicon things that sit inside the walls of the nasal valves and they just hold your nose open so the effect is like when you hold your no- your skin to the side of your nose like that and you just breathe in there's no collapse in the nasal valves anymore so what that does is it allows it ensures that you can breathe through your nose all the time so i say get used to wearing some nasal dilators to sleep if you've got those riskier noses that collapse more readily for about a couple of weeks and you're able to sleep in it all night then tape your mouth then too um of course we we've got to look at the tongue size and how big the tongue is in relation to the airway because if people have had retraction orthodontics where they're missing teeth in their premolars and their jaws not growing to their full maximum potential and the tongue doesn't get any smaller by the way what so where does that go goes in the airway so if you tape your mouth shut then some people actually have a fail safe to be able to breathe through their mouth at night as a 
just in case. But if you're taping your mouth and not wearing nasal dilators, then you're giving yourself sleep apnea. So I say they're the two most important things to make sure that someone um, isn't already a clencher and grinder and to make sure that you can breathe through your nose, to make sure that your tongue's not too large for the space that you've got. And there's some quite easy tests to do. So you can open your mouth as wide as you can and look in the mirror and keep your tongue where it is and see if you can see your dangly bits at the back, you know, the soft palate and see if you can see the airway behind it. And then you try the same thing, but stick your tongue out. And if you can, if you can see that, you know, airway space, the oropharynx, then you know that you're in the place that you're able to breathe. Um, of course, what the, um, the other things that I do with my patients, which is hard for you to do if you're not with a dentist, um, is I increase this height on the lower jaw of like, you know, like invisible braces, like those type of retainer things. Because if you're, if someone's worn and torn their teeth and they've lost a vertical dimension and their jaw is smaller, obviously the cage of the mouth is smaller. So then the tongue has less room. So then you're in that same space of whether you've got a big tongue, we've had orthodontics when you're younger. Now, in this aspect, you have to really, um, think about if we increase that vertical height again, we're increasing the cage of the mouth so then the tongue can sit more readily in the mouth again. And one huge aspect of it is just simple, where does the tongue live in the mouth? And I can try and do a demo now because I, I love this and it blows my patients' minds all the time. So if your tongue is in a lower part of your jaw, right, and I'm stood in a, if I'm stood in the perfect postural position, which is my um, head above the shoulder, the spine, and then above the hips, all in a line, and my tongue's in a long, low position, listen to the way that I breathe, right, just through the nose, but my to- tongue's low right? Because all of that airway, all of that back of the tongue is pushing into the airway. But now watch my tongue being in the roof of the mouth set in the same position. Do you hear that difference? That's mm-hmm. just my tongue position. So if I, and then of course that leads on to tongue ties, right? Because if someone can't lift their tongue to the roof of the mouth and they're taping their mouth, they're going to be clenching like mad. They're not going to be able to breathe through their nose, could cause problems. So my biggest thing is get the tongue strong enough to live in the roof of the mouth Check that there's enough space in the mouth for the tongue to be without before taping. Wear nasal dilators if you if you struggle to breathe through your nose. So like if you go for a run or you do exercise and within two minutes you can't breathe through your nose because it's so inflamed, that's kind of like a, a, a warning sign to say, well, I definitely need these nasal dilators before I start taping my mouth. And of course, I love mouth taping and I do it every single night. But I think some of these things aren't talked about in the mouth taping world that need to be brought awareness to because there's definitely some patients that I've seen that have... Um, you know, done all these things and then still in the morning, like, well, I'm not sleeping any better. I'm still ripping my tape off every night or X, Y, Z. And then you're like, well, actually, have you mitigated all these potential risks around it that could cause sleep apnea in inverted commas, right? (laughs) Yeah. But that's so interesting about the nasal dilators, because I will say, so I am currently pregnant and with each pregnancy I've had, I always get rhinitis. I always get inflammation of my nasal cavity. I always have um, like extra mucus. And it's so frustrating, but I will occasionally wear the breathe right strips because they do yeah. help me. However, I also am trying to keep my skin beautiful. <laughs> so when I put on my face lotion before it almost always falls off yes. either in the beginning or later in the night, because they do work, I will say, but they fall off. Um, so it's really fascinating to know that the nasal dilators are another good option. And even like for my husband, he pretty much, he, he has broken his nose a few times, Mm -hmm. um, playing sports. And 
his one nostril pretty much is non-existent. Yeah. So I'm interested to see. I mean, yes, he needs to get that corrected probably yes. long-term, but that may be a good option too. Um, but it's so fascinating. We're talking about this now. My son is 15 months old and he currently, he just got his lip tie yes. um, done actually twice because it reattached. He had a very wow. strong one. Um, and these are all the things they're talking to me about. We're about to, we just went to a chiropractor. We're about to go to speech because it's all about the roof of their mouth and making sure that yeah. their tongue touch. And these are all things I would, I mean, and I think most parents listening, we don't even think about like, oh, is my no. son's tongue yes. when touching the roof of their mouth? Or do I notice that his mouth is usually slightly open or when he sleeps, yeah. is, you know, is his mouth open? So it's so fascinating and it does make me feel good that like, okay, I'm seeing people that are on the right path because they're saying a lot of the things you're saying, but these are things that I think most people don't even think about, even just with the nose breathing aspect, which anyone, if it's, if you are a mouth breather and you're listening, you have to, you know, go read breath or listen to our mm -hmm. podcast with James Nestor. Cause if we started to dive into all the benefits of nose breathing versus mouth breathing right now, it would take up huge. the whole podcast. Um, but it is, yeah, it's huge. The difference is incredible in terms of all the ways that I can, you know, not only just make you feel better, but mm. is better for your health. If you've listened to many of our expert guests, you know that we all tend to need extra support for our gut health, whether that's taking a probiotic for optimal digestive and immune support, a digestive enzyme to optimize nutrient availability, or my personal favorite Nordic Naturals Nordic Flora prebiotic powder to support the beneficial probiotic bacteria in your gut and for a good source of fiber, there's gut health support for you, whatever your specific needs may be. And to make digestive and immune health more fun for children, Nordic Naturals offers probiotics in a pixie powder, gummy form, and a powder form for infants that can easily be mixed into room temperature food, formula, or milk. Head to nordic.com and use the code naturallywell15 for 15% off all Nordic Naturals digestive support products for adults, children, and infants. Um, okay, so my next question, because someone once told me that their dentist said it is better if you had the choice to floss every day or brush your teeth every day, it would actually be better to floss every day. Now, I will be the first person to say I have tried to get in the habit of flossing every day for years. And I have not, I've yet to be successful in keeping it as a habit for like months at a time. How important is it to floss? It's interesting, isn't it? So I'm a bit, I'm, I'm very controversial on this subject because if you eat the right foods, if you do the right routines, if you don't mouth breathe, if you don't clench your teeth, if you don't dry out your oral microbiome, if you, if you feed it nourishing things, then actually that plaque and those bugs in your mouth is a good type of plaque and bugs and they're the ones that actually remineralize our teeth you know studies are showing now that that's not just you know back in the i don't know 60s 50s when they're doing all this testing it was like sugar fermentable carbohydrates teeth time 
equals and bugs equal decay when actually that's mm. not the case because in dental school I remember them telling us all the time well there's these people that just don't look after their teeth and there's plaque everywhere and they've got no decay at all they've got no gum disease at all so actually what's going on there and that's when you need to realize that maybe some people have better bugs in their mouth and their body's not re as reactive to them so they're living in harmony and like an ecosystem it's just like the microbiome right so yeah. we have good and bad equilibriums and we want them to be super even and, and pushing more towards the good way so it keeps everyone in balance and in check it's the same within the mouth so I 100% agree with interdental cleaning which is cleaning between your teeth and I think it's a necessity at the end of the day every day do I believe in flossing between all of your teeth? No, I believe in interdental cleaning. So flossing, I think, is the best between your canine to your canine because of the root morphology. Um, but flossing is actually quite hard for technique wise. So like if people have any type of dexterity problems, getting them between all of those teeth right towards the back is actually quite, I struggled some of the teeth, right? And I do it oh, as a job. I definitely struggle. <laughs> yeah, so... For me, it's about how can I make things as least traumatizing to people in the easiest way and it's going to get them doing it every single day. So, you know, at the front of the mouth, floss is the best because you're getting up and down the teeth in places where you bite into things. So that's the most important. Um, but then from your canine tooth all the way back to your um, wisdom teeth, I either use the water pick, which sprays water between the teeth to keep them up, to push the bugs out and to make things more natural. Um or I use interdental cleaning aids, which is actually I prefer the ones that are like toothpicks with tiny little bobbles on them, silicon bobbles oh, called yeah. easy picks. And you push them through the teeth and they just push the massive amounts of debris out. But so that's my evening thing. But in the morning, when you first get up in the morning, you scrape your tongue, which I do morning and night, to be fair. And but you also coconut oil pull. So you put a teaspoon of coconut oil in your mouth. And this is going to train your tongue as well. You keep your lips together because otherwise the coconut oil falls out and you push your tongue up and into the areas to push the oil through the teeth. So not only are you cleaning at nighttime, you're actually balancing it first thing in the morning too. Um, so I do two types of interdental cleaning. Oh, interesting. And can you talk a little bit more about tongue scraping and why you tongue scrape? Yeah, tongue scraping is the simple action of sticking your tongue out all the way and using a scraper to pull off the the rubbish that's on the top of it and i think only when you do it you realize how much accumulates through the day so your tongue is like a you only really see the top anterior third of it you've got two thirds behind that one of them you don't really see at all because it's behind down the throat but the middle third you actually um you well there's hairs everywhere they're called filiform papillae and they're not taste buds but they're like hairs and they trap food and stuff in there and then bugs obviously get in them so if you don't tongue scrape when you do the plaque disclosing with patients, um, we've got this special one now that which tells you it's um, 24 hours or less or over 48 hours and it changes different colours. The tongue, if someone doesn't tongue scrape, it will always be the darkest colour, which indicates that it's been there the longest because obviously there's so much stuff that gets caught there. You don't brush your tongue. You don't look after your tongue usually. So unless you actively brush your tongue, it, it stays on there. And when it stays on there, the microbiome balance within that ecosystem tends to be more... Um, anaerobic which an anaerobic means normally pathogenic not as good it's it's when the oxygen levels go out of it and they they just feed on whatever's going and cause loads of acids and stuff so then you're dysregulating the microbiome and pushing it towards that side of the bu bugs that cause dental disease um, which we don't want and now we're learning dental disease equals systemic disease indications too so we want to really make sure that we've got good microbiome in the mouth so when we're swallowing 800 odd times a day 
um, that those are good doses of probiotics. So how many times, if I were to start tongue scraping, how many times should I scrape in the morning? Just until it's clear. So you stick your tongue out and it will have like a white coatish or whatever food you've eaten type coat on it. And then you just, uh, my favorite one is a, a copper tongue scraper. And you stick your tongue out and you just pull it once down and then go back up and then it will like mm-hmm. lift it from that side and then another time down. And it will be like a, a bit cheesy, like yogurty, you know, like the top of a, yeah. that, honestly, it's, it's a really horrible consistency, but then you become yeah. addicted to doing it. <laughs> but that's no, how you does, know you're getting it off. Yeah. I've always been fascinated with it, but I have never done it. Um And never, you know, have really looked into the benefits. Like you can always think about what they would be, but I think I'm going to start trying after this. You know, we were talking about the myo- the microbiome of not only, right, like your gut, but the microbiome of your mouth. Is it the same foods that would support the microbiome in your gut that would also support the microbiome in your mouth? And same with the, you know, harmful foods like sugars and things like that, that would correlate with your gut? A hundred percent. Yeah, really okay. is. Um, Fermentable carbohydrates in general just mean quick turnover of acid of, of food into acid, which then, you know, allows those bugs that turn over within that environment to thrive. And and then, of course, then you're swallowing that. And obviously, health starts in the mouth from my perspective. So you're swallowing that all the time. And then over time, that dysregulates your gut. So um, you can take things now to influence what bugs are living in your mouth. They have mints with little probiotics in them, which are awesome. And they have um, obviously mouthwashes with probiotics in them now, but as mm. simple as rinsing your mouth after eating is good because it neutralizes the pH and makes the good bugs um, pHs at the acid level. So when you're in the middle acid acidity, which is where the mouth usually is, if you're neutralizing it, so neutralizing it basically means eat your food. Once you're done, put some water in your mouth, rinse it around, swallow it. So then you neutralize it, you get it back to that balanced ecosystem and then when you're in that ecosystem where it's balanced then good bugs are thriving right so you're not having that the the hardest thing is if we in fact you've probably seen this video of mine but when if you're eating for more than two hours a day your body is more in a demineralization state than remineralization state so it means the the bugs that are living in the mouth are causing more acid than remineralization because the foods that broken down are broken down into acid that's what the bugs feed on and obviously it depends on the bugs in your mouth and xyz but um it's really interesting that people that i see that um graze on snacks a lot of the time will have lots of random areas of dysregulation in their mouth either gum disease or decay uh, fall um, up and about because or even people taking medicine medicines of sugar in them that don't know about that you know so you really need to check everything that any Anything other than water in your mouth that you're going to digest dysregulates the microbiome. So then you have to, after you've done it, re-regulate it by rinsing around with salt water or just normal water. Interesting. And what about, are there certain foods that help promote a healthy microbiome in our mouth? Definitely. So any probiotic, prebiotic, you know, high fibrous things, Mm -hmm. sauerkrauts, um, you know, sweet potato skins, celeries, carrots, things that don't easily break down in the mouth and actually um, uh, 
The other thing, weirdly, that not many people think about is putting your body into rest and digest as you're chewing. So getting yourself into this non-fight or flight place, because when you're in rest and digest, and that can be as simple as breathing through um, the uh, left nostril, I think from memory, from breathe, can't remember which one, just before, um, then it actually puts your body into rest and digest, which means you're more likely to produce the saliva that has the enzymes in it, which has more of the mucus-like ones in there rather than the watery saliva. And what that does is it breaks down the food in your mouth into better products for you to digest better and to absorb more nutrients too. So yeah, there's so much to do. Um, But whole food, nutritious diet, the mouth is really primed and vital on uh, your fat soluble vitamins as well. So like your vitamin A, D, E, K2, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that really, and vitamin C, they're the ones that really promote oral health. The other, So any foods that have high doses of those, and, and I know it's a lot at the moment with, um, you know, the pasteurized stuff and the, um, which I, I know I've been both sides of the fence and I definitely feel better introducing more of these um, things into my diet again, like your meats and your well-looked after animals and non-antibiotic laden ones. Um, and then of course, all of the little adjuncts to help with the um, the balance of the bugs in the mouth as well, like oil pulling, like we just talked about, right? Because that then balances yeah. the microbiome too, not just the foods. No, it's so fascinating to learn. Because I mean, I do, you hear of oil pulling, tongue scraping, all these things. And you never know really like what's true and what's not, because a lot of the time it is, it's coming from a non-expert on social media. And it's like, well, is this just another fad? So it's good to hear it from an expert. Okay. So this question, I'm sure you get a lot, but I know this is one that I would say most people have. Can we whiten our teeth naturally or what is the best way to whiten our teeth that is still healthy for our mouth? Yeah, it's pretty common. It's a pretty good one, to be fair. So so I guess we need to discern between whitening the teeth, but also um, just reducing the stains that are in the teeth too. So whitening means reduce, like going down the shade levels to get your teeth super white. And then reducing the natural stains from your coffees, your teas, your turmerics, your, you know, wet red wine, whatever it is that you drink, there's more of a tannin based thing. Um, they're the things like going for a regular clean at your hygienist where they use something called airflow, which sprays the teeth with like a very small particle bicarb of soda, which lifts the stains from them in the tiny porosities on the surface of the tooth oil pulling daily stops stains from sticking on because it coats the teeth in like an oily layer brushing your teeth and changing your toothbrush head regularly obviously that is more abrasive if you leave it for too long it doesn't do as good a job um they're my top tips for reducing the stains that accumulate on your teeth in general and of course let's not forget about mouth breathing because if you mouth breathe the most common place for all the stains is on your front teeth and lower teeth because that's where all the air evaporates the saliva to stop it from remineralizing and washing away um, so there might, you know, reduce stains on teeth day in, day out. Um, to whiten your teeth, it's, well, it's natural in the fact that hydrogen peroxide is produced in our body as our immune defense cells. Um, but hydrogen peroxide, I never really tell my patients to go above 6%. And you need to do it in con- combination with remineralizing, you know, so you have to, my most important thing is you do a day of whitening. 
And normally you build up to wearing it two hours, three hours a day, wearing this hydrogen peroxide, which is in the specially designed trays for your mouth. So you're not getting all this hydrogen peroxide in the gum tissues, which irritates them and causes them to bleed and cause gum disease or the first layer of gum disease. Um, then the, the most important thing is the day after you're, you're in those same trays that fit really tightly to your teeth, you're adding minerals back in. So you put in calcium phosphate or hydroxyapatite, which are the things hydroxyapatite is a crystalline structure of our enamel. So that's what our enamel is made of the hardest substance in the human body, which is crazy harder than bones and stronger than diamonds. Um, and then we've got the calcium and the phosphorus. And they're the two precursors to make hydroxyapatite. So there's lots of different products that you can Google and find. My favorite one is tooth mousse for the two minerals. Um, and then any of the toothpastes that contain hydroxyapatite that you can paste into those areas. And those are, um, so you do a day of whitening, which destroys the layer and opens up the pores and, and, um, gets out the stains from within the tooth or on the outer layers of the tooth. And then you do a day of mineralizing, putting those minerals back into the teeth. It's so interesting. I, yeah, I, what, but I'm curious to your thoughts on going to the pharmacy and just picking up, you know, your whitening strips. What is that really doing to our teeth? It's not allowed in the UK. <laughs> of course not. But of course it's allowed in America, which tells me I probably yeah, crest. Know that the answer is not going to be so good. <laughs> uh, I remember being younger and using those very same strips that, yeah, I mean, it depends how much you use anything, right, at yeah. the end of the day. So if you're being sensible with it, then it doesn't, I, I mean, I can't advise it because you, they don't, they're not molded to the teeth. They're not around the gum line. They mm -hmm. definitely irritate the gums and cause inflammation of the gums, but they do whiten the teeth because they've got the products in them too. But you're taking off the top layers of your enamel on your teeth. So you're going to make your teeth more sensitive. You're, do you know what the ironic thing is? If you take too many of the layers off of the enamel, the layer underneath is called dentine and that's really, really yellow. <laughs> so your teeth can end up going a lot more yellow if you over whiten, which is not something that everyone speaks about. So you definitely yeah, want to be really so adding them on. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, that's a good motivator for anyone listening that's whitening their teeth too much to realize like one day you may whiten them and they may actually come back more yellow. Oh, that's I fascinating. I had no idea. And also then you're stripping most of your enamel away, Absolutely. which is like that protective layer too. Um, oh, it's so interesting. I was, you know, I was going through... Again, I like I love all your different reels because it, they're so short, but they give you so much information. <laughs> we were talking about like obviously right nose breathing, mouth breathing, but one that really got me because I feel like I kind of do a little bit of both. Can we talk about if you realize you sneeze through your nose versus your mouth and what that means <laughs> and how you can correct it? Yeah, this one's a really good one. And so this one can be actually just whether you have the correct oral tongue position or not, right? Because okay. if your tongue is held right into the roof of the mouth, and I don't just mean the tip of the tongue behind the front teeth, I mean the back of the tongue sealed to the roof of the mouth, being strong enough to push up there, then if you do that, you can sneeze through your nose because the air behind the tongue is forced up and out through the nose and the sinuses. And when you're sneezing through your nose, 
it actually clears the the mechanism that makes you sneeze in the first place so you're the 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 um the feedback or the the alert comes from your nose telling us that there's something in my nose and it's normally like viruses funguses that they want to get out so you have to sneeze to dis- discharge it all so if you actually sneeze through your mouth that's when typically a lot of people have those like continuous sneezes you know it keeps going keeps going keeps going um but what it tells me from a dental perspective, if someone can't sneeze through their nose, it's because they've not got the correct tongue position. So they have a really, really loud sneeze out of the mouth. So you've really got to do the myofunctional therapy work. You've got to work with your functional dentist that looks at the airway. And you've got to um, really work on that tongue position and posture because it's all about the space behind the tongue. And if the back of the tongue's bulging into the airway, it's not going to come out and you're going to have to open your mouth through the nose that is. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. So one thing you could do is just really trying to hold all of your tongue to the roof of your mouth and test. Okay. I'm going to test that out. It's um, so interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's so interesting. Okay. I have two more questions. I know we're running out of time, but these are common things that I, one, this is something that I think people experience a lot. Um, and then the other is one that most people may not know about. So what are the negative effects of clenching and grinding? I think a lot of people don't even realize they may be doing it, but they can feel it in their jaw in the morning. And what's the best solution to resolve it? It all comes down to breathing again, which is crazy, right? Uh, And we're learning more and more in the last five years, I would say, that I've become super aware of it, that if we clench and grind our teeth, it means a few things. It means one, either the teeth aren't meeting together in a perfect way and the body's trying to find the harmony. Um, Two, we're stressed emotionally and we're clenching because there's a lot going on in our life and that happens too. And then my belief around that is that if you're stressed, your system is releasing inflammatory mediators, which on turn, like being pregnant, by the way, everything's more narrowed, right? Because you're inflamed. So then that means you're already layers that are on the edge or close to the threshold, like nasal breathing, might be harder because you're already inflamed right so if you're stressed you become more inflamed and then that narrows the airway passages which makes you more likely to breathe through your mouth but clenching so let's just think about the ideal so the ideal is tongue to the roof back of the tongue sealed to the mouth or pushed up as far as it is when you're asleep at night your soft palate the dangly thing at the back of your throat catches the top of your tongue so that when you're falling asleep and gravity takes you there's still an airway behind it. Now, if you have a low tongue position, the tongue falls into the airway and then you have to clench or grind your teeth to push your tongue forward to move out of the airway. So it's like, and the reflex of clenching is pushing the tongue forward at the same time. So what this does to your system is one, it gives you upper airway resistance. So it means that your body's either having to clench or grind the teeth, which puts you into a sympathetic state. So fight or flight while you're meant to be resting and digesting. So then you're getting, you're reducing your level of depth of sleep. So then you're not getting as regenerated during the nighttime, right? On top of that, clenching your teeth, the enamel layer on our teeth, the hydroxyapatite, once it's through the gums, those cells disappear because they're on the top of the gums. So you can never regrow back your enamel. You can remineralize the inside dentine layer, but you cannot regrow the enamel or re-strengthen the enamel. You have to just halt it and stop it. So if you're giving undue pressure on these teeth at nighttime, you're going to crack, chip and break them. And I would say that through my 
knowledge of case studies and seeing patients in between the teeth decay is usually due to clenching teeth at nighttime that have cracked at the front of the because teeth interlock like that right which is mm-hmm. the front the front of the lot the one behind at the back of the one in front and they're the cusp that take all the load when you're biting together so if you're clenching at night you're putting in more more strain and more susceptible then to cracks and breaks which means decay gets into the teeth because your toothbrush can't keep it clean so then you're needing more fillings, more restorations. And on top of that, normally when someone's got upper airway resistance and clenching on their teeth, the fail safe is when they can't clench anymore because it's, it's so collapsed at night. There's no more tone left in the tongue. There's no more tone left in the airway. You have to mouth breathe because that's the fail safe. Mm-hmm. That's the way that you can breathe. And when you mouth breathe, then that causes all of the whole host of things on, you know, the inflammation in the body in general and the, you know, chronic fatigue, inflammatory conditions that go on in the system. You know, I went to a convention back in 2019 and they were talking about how it was causing heart attacks in 50 and 60. And they're the ones that are normally having those bypasses because they've been mouth breathing the whole life and it narrows the arteries. Plaque doesn't know what to do in the arteries. The body's not got the time and energy to clear it out. So it's really quite a chronic thing that you want to get on top of early in life. And going back to tongue positions and kids, what you were mentioning earlier about your son, that if we teach our kids to breathe through the nose, hold the tongue in the roof of the mouth, swallow in the correct way, um, and not breathe through the mouth at nighttime, their jaws grow to their maximum genetic potential because that tongue is a, is a, um, like a, I always say teeth are like sails. And when you when you push on it the right way with the maximum forces of the tongue, you create a new neutral zone, which is much wider and further out. So when you're, because imagine if someone's a mouth breather, everything comes in because there's no tongue in the roof of the mouth supporting the upper jaw. Whereas if you hold your tongue into the roof of the mouth and create that seal, your tongue every time you swallow is pushing out each time. So then that person is getting easier and easier to have that wide. What's amazing is that genetically with genet our skeletal growth is 40 percent from genetics 60 percent from um epigenetics which is function breathing airway so if we can influence that 60 percent in kids they grow their teeth change position their jaws get wider they get less clenching grinding issues right they need less teeth out for braces yeah i know that's so interesting because right now um our chiropractor is having me massage the roof of my son's mouth, which he loves so much and sits perfectly still for, um, but massaging the roof of his mouth, both upwards and backwards to kind of expand his palate because it is a little bit arched, but these are just things like I would have had no idea if we didn't discover he had a lip tie. And then I went to this specific doctor who is really trying to figure out the root cause of different things. I mean, you know, I, I do know the importance of nose breathing versus mouth breathing, but they're, you know, I'm years away from being able to have that discussion with him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, the best, the best, I, the youngest I start with, with trying to train the tongue positioning and stuff is about four and a half, five is the youngest I've been able to do it. So you know, and some kids, we don't get doing it until six, seven, eight. So it really depends on when they're aware and how much they're thinking of these things. Um, but it's it's so key. And, you know, our skeletal growth and development really happens up until about 14, I would say, in boys, a bit younger in girls. So we've got a lot of time to do it. And we want to catch the growth spurts to, you know, maximize the growth, maximize the growth. Because you look at our ancestors, they've got all of their teeth in their mouth. And even if you look at the indigenous communities, they've got their all of their teeth in the mouth because they're chewing the hard foods, they're eating the fat-soluble vitamins, they're 
their bone density is strong, their positions and their oral habits are right. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, my wife and I's favorite saying is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Okay. Last question, because I know we're running out of time, but we had mentioned it before. How is our posture related to our mouth? Okay. So this is a really good one. And normally I try and demo it. So I'll try and do I'll try and talk <laughs> you through my demo. So let's, you know, when I was doing the low tongue position earlier, when mm -hmm. I was, my tongue was in the right place, but then I changed my tongue to the roof of the mouth. But if someone doesn't know what to do with inside their mouth, so if someone, if someone's still got that low tongue position, I'll just remind you what it sounds like. So low tongue position, lots of resistance back of my throat. It's like snoring. Now watch what happens when I push my chin forward and I put a forward head posture. You see that there's no, there's hardly well, less snoring. So what the, what the mind does is it realizes that there's resistance when I'm in a good posture because my tongue's in the wrong place. So I, instead of, instead of, it's weird, isn't it? Because it'd be great if your mind said, right, push your tongue up there and you're out of the way. But instead <laughs> of that, it kind of just compensates for your posture by leaning your head forward. And by leaning your head forward, like the recovery position, you then put all of the pet, the strain on the other muscles holding it instead of your tongue just doing it. And if you think about the tongue, it's like one of the strongest muscles pound for pound in the body. There's like eight different muscle groups in it. So if we actually push our tongue to the roof of the mouth, guess what? It's like a rudder inside the mouth and you're pushing your head up. So supporting all your head and neck muscles at the same time too. Um, there's then crazy stuff. If you have an underbite, so like your jaw is big at the bottom, you're more likely to have a pelvic uh, tilt forwards and backwards so then you've got loads of strain on your lower back and if you've got um a really um retruded lower jaw and it's further back then your bum sticks out a lot more and you've got more of curvature in your spine as well so the, the perfect bite is straight up and down from the from the, your ankles to your shoulders all in line and your jaw in line with that and your head sat on your shoulders like that too with a nice curvature nice s through the whole thing but the bite's huge Absolutely huge. And then don't forget, if you're missing a tooth on one side, right? Say you're missing a tooth or two teeth or if more than two teeth, your jaw then is floating in space, right? The lower jaw is the only bone in the body that's one, well, one of the only body, bones in the body that's floating, that and the hyoid bone. And all the muscles that attach to that are they're the ones that work out, ah, how do I get my teeth to meet together in a way that's good for me to chew my food? And then your neuromusculature then feeds back and says, if I can't bite on that tooth anymore, I need to find a new biting position. So then you find a new biting position, say on the other side of the mouth, and you try and move, do that side. Then, of course, all of those muscles are overworking. And then your whole strain to your left is, is pushing. And then your jaw has like 14 different muscles attached to it, your lower jaw. So then it strains all the cervical spine. So then that can pull your spine up or pull your traps up, you know. So it's all related. It's like and the fascial network that connects all of it as well. It's just unbelievable. Oh my gosh. This is so fascinating. It's like, I feel like anyone listening is probably like mind blown on <laughs> how much I should be paying attention to my oral health. Well, Dr. Seb, this has been so fascinating. We love to end every episode with a rapid fire Q and a so nice. we have three questions for you. Just give me the first thing that comes to mind. What okay, is your close favorite? My eyes and get ready. Yeah, exactly. Bring it in. What is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Oh gosh, probably like infrared sauna, like just chilling oh, in an infrared sauna. Oh my sauna. gosh, I would love to hop in one right now. Uh, coffee or tea? Neither, actually. Oh, yeah, says the I, dentist. I know. <laughs> I do coffee enemas. <laughs> love it. Um, what is your favorite home-cooked meal? Oh, 
probably a roast on a Sunday. Very English of oh. me, right? Oh my God. I mean, who doesn't love that to me? Yeah. Like anything you can put in the oven or like that sits on the stove or in the crock pot. Oh yeah. That gets me. Um, where can people find you learn more? Obviously please promote your Instagram page because I love all your reels. Like I've said, um, and really just get to get to know more about their oral health and what they should be looking for when looking for a dentist. So, yeah, if you want to find a dentist locally to try and look for someone with similar ethos to me, there's a really good website. Well, there's a few. One of them is the IAOMT.org. And that shows all of the dentists that have been trained in the safe metal removal textures. So then uh, techniques. So then they're going to be able to roughly on the same mindset. Then you've got um, Ask the Dentist website as well. And they're like the biological dental practitioners on there. You can think that's bigger in America rather than the UK. Um, And you can search for the dental practitioners list on those two websites to see if there's any local to you. Um, Me, myself, we have a website called wonderofwellness.co.uk or .com. And um, that it shows has my oral health care routines free to download for anyone too. So definitely go on there and um, check that out. And then there's, um, I do online consultations for most people and anyone around the world. And I normally do them once every couple of weeks. And I do an afternoon of them just to help provide 15 minutes of direction for them. So they bring their exos, their photos, just to see what my opinion would be, right? So I've not done a clinical examination, but at least then they can get a direction of what my thoughts would be on how I would, you know, tackle that situation because it's a belief system at the end of the day for a lot of us. Um, And then in terms of my biological dentist, so Instagram is biological underscore dentist and it's just Dr. Seb. And yeah, I'm pretty pretty heavy on the content on there and i think i'm on tiktok now as well but i don't really know my i think it's i think it's biological underscore dentist too but i don't really have that app on my phone so i'm, I'm less interactive on that but I'm, I'm trying to influence the younger generations on there to try and you know do the the oral postures and the breathing and the tongue positions and stuff too which is also yeah. cool no you have to check out Dr. Seb's reels they're so good they're so short and sweet you can get so many good nuggets of information Thank you so much for coming on the show and for your time. This has been so fascinating, I know, for myself and I know will be for our listeners. Thank you so much. And keep doing what you're doing because getting the word out there is the most important thing. This week's actionable step is to really pay attention to how you're breathing when you sleep. If you find you're breathing out of your mouth more times than not, start implementing some of Dr. Seb's tips to help you breathe through your nose. And if you want to learn more about the benefits of nose breathing over mouth breathing, make sure to listen to our episode titled You're Breathing Wrong with James Nestor. It will blow your mind and mouth taping won't seem so ridiculous. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.